Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. To just bring the community together by reading the scrolls and having that conversation, because this is important conversation as you were talking about 
reprogramming our subconscious mind in 95%. I was getting this, uh, this image. I'm a word picture person, Glenn, this image of the walking dead. <laughs> so right. <when> think about, <laughs> we are walking around just kind of programmed and we are reacting and constantly on guard. And we think about the fight or flight response, you know? So when we think about the importance of it, I find it as I call it the, the blessing blocker. So the things that we want to create in our future, the person that we want to be, and we keep finding ourselves on this wheel, keep feeling the same thing over and over and over again, or we're back in the same place and we just can't get ahead. Part of that is because our alarm clock hasn't gone off yet. We don't realize, and, and as you're saying that, most people don't realize they're still acting from their subconscious mind because there's something from the surface that they can they can make an excuse for, or they can explain away or logically talk about why they're reacting the way that they're reacting. And then the other part of that is so many people are afraid to really look back because we haven't necessarily gotten to a place of having an emotional buffet to know why we feel what we feel and not be afraid of those feelings and put them in its right context. Because if some people will say, if I open up that hatch to my past and really dig deep and understand why I do the things that I do. I'm just afraid of the flood that's going to come in and I don't feel like I can ever close it. Right? So when we think about why it's important, it could be the thing that's stopping you from your greatest self. It can be the very thing that's stopping you from making the future be your friend. It could be the very thing that's stopping you from building that business, getting that relationship, having healthy friends, you know, another a very surface clue. When you look at someone's life, they're constantly changing friends. They're constantly changing locations. They're constantly because people don't get a chance to really know them. And if someone really knew me, they wouldn't like me. And that's because that subconscious mind, they know that there's something more that they need to be dealt with. So anyway, Glenn, I could go on and on and on why that's important, but that would be my, my, uh, my kickoff to that, to that question. Yeah, I love that. And that's kind of what I want to do with you today is, is, is really go on and on and on and learn more about Dr. Jane Lacey and at the same time help this room uh, learn from your genius, right? I want to, I my, my intention and goal with this interview with you is that by the time that we are done, there are people in this room that are, that are unlocked, that are, that are moved, that maybe some of the mud is removed from their eyes, right? Because that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve, Dr. Janie. And so I would like to go kind of back in time just a little bit. What was it in your life or your experience that led you to this understanding and to start diving into this field that you're now an expert in? Well, there's a lot there. And if you watched my uh, TED, TEDx talk, I opened with, with the with the clue, the first clue, but we don't know it's a clue until we connect the dots looking backwards. But when I look back, there is this time, there's two pivotal moments that I can see in my own life that set the path that God knew that I was eventually gonna discover. Cause I believe that we don't find our purpose, we discover our purpose by listening to those clues. But when I was uh, 10 years old, you know, there was a, a situation in my family. I'll be uh, be brief because it is it is the morning time. But my eldest sister, we come from eight of us, eight girls. And my dad used to joke. My dad is no longer alive. But Glenn, he used to joke about how he was cursed. <laughs> and as a little girl, you can laugh about it. But I look back, I'm like, man, what a toxic thing to say to your children, your nine, your, uh, your eight girls and saying that you were cursed because he came from all brothers. So he had eight 
brothers and that would include him so it was eight of them and then he ended up having eight girls so i was smack dead in the middle so i had the middle child uh, syndrome so to speak but when i was 10 my oldest sister was 19 at that time and uh, her her own life had led her to being married and having children very young and what i know now is when we when people are in toxic relationships they don't go around and tell people that they're in toxic relationships because they also have toxic beliefs around that toxic relationship. We don't tell people what's happening in our family. You don't go and run your business about what's happening. And those things are all true. But when it also comes to what's happening in your home is abusive, it's destructive, and you're isolated, then you'll suffer in silence. And what we know when it comes to domestic violence statistics one out of three women on their way out of a domestically violent abusive relationship it will result in her in her death in particular for a woman and my sister sir came to that statistic so she was leaving she was on a restraining order in an abusive toxic relationship and her um, husband had strangled her a little trigger warning there in front of their children and as a 10 year old girl when all of this was going down glenn my family did not have the emotional intelligence it's not to again it's not to blame them we we all do the best that we can with what we the tools that we have at the time but my parents didn't necessarily have the the tools in the backyard and the shed to really help the rest of us understand what happened like what happened we make sense of it one day we know this is going on we have this you know this night that that we have this chaos that's 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 happened and the next thing you know i'm looking at my sister in a casket and there's a line of people just the community support and no one talked to us about this no one said anything you know i can even remember and this is why it's so important when we are going through any type of traumatic experience the things that are in our environment are the things that will stay stuck to us so i can even remember as we're driving to the funeral home and the song that my mom was playing (laughs) in the car like to this day i can still hear it so these things all matter but when i look at that that was a pivotal moment of suppression of confusion, of making sense in my own world as a 10-year-old girl. And then two years later, there was another situation that happened from a familiar standpoint. I look back, it was just a a clue that I wanted to eventually be the one that would help that 12-year-old or that 10-year-old girl or that family system. But I was going to my grandmother's house as I normally would do, and I can hear her dog, her dog name was, her dog's name was Susie, but Susie was barking and I can hear my grandmother used to watch, I think it was called Court Night or Night Court. And I could hear it on the television, but she wasn't answering the door. So I remember calling my mom because we lived in a, a community where I was able to walk to my grandmother's. And I called my mom and I'm like, uh, well, grandma's not answering the door, what's going on? So my mom came and again, family not necessarily understanding how things are gonna affect the little ones. So my my mom opened the door with her key and my grandmother was laying flat on her face with blood coming out her nose. And I see this and my mom just shoved, pushed me aside and I'm standing where I could barely just see her body laying on the floor. But those pivotal moments when I look back in those early years, there was no understanding of grief there was no understanding of emotionality there was no understanding of even relationships so when i was going through my college i went to the university of central florida and my dad had a second grade education and i come from an uh, uh, uh generations of just um uneducation as far as formal education so for me to have a goal 
And it didn't have to necessarily do with anything as far as money goes, but I wanted to get to a place where I felt like I had education because I came from a system where my family felt like they were beneath those that went to school and had education. So I knew from a very early age that I wanted to change that trajectory for my family. So I had entered an MBA program after my bachelor's program, tying this all together. And I'm in my MBA program and, uh, and Glenn, I sucked at math. So I'm in accounting class. I'm just zoning out, just not paying attention. I couldn't get all these concepts. And I signed up for a leadership enhancement program at the University of Central Florida because it's hard for people to understand. I'm going to tie this back. But I did not know how to speak. I didn't know how to communicate unless you were really close to me. I wouldn't really talk to you because if I go back in time as we connect those dots, even before my sister's murder at five years old, I had rotten teeth. So my dad didn't speak good English. I had rotten teeth as a little girl and my family had a lack of emotional maturity to be able to help me navigate my little world. So even in college, when I'm going through this MBA program, if anyone has their MBA or any type of um, business degree, we had to do a lot of presentations. And I'm doing these presentations. And as we talk about that subconscious mind, I was subconsciously still covering my mouth, Glenn, as I'm talking to my classmates. And I didn't realize I was doing that. So I would have my mouth covering my, my teeth as if I was still that five, six, seven-year-old girl had, had, who had rotten teeth. And I didn't realize that. So when I did realize that, because my classmates were like, well, why do you keep covering your mouth when you're talking? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I said, you know what? I need to get this because there's one thing that I have and that's, that's the grit. And I'm, if I don't know it, I'm going to figure it out. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to be in this MBA program. <laughs> it was from a dysfunctional, it was from a dysfunctional place though. Cause I was like, I'm going to be in this MBA program. I ain't going to let them see me sweat. So I need to figure this thing out. Why am I doing this? So I signed up for this leadership enhancement program. And in that program, I, Dr. Valerie King, who's no longer um, here, but I remember first getting up in front of the group and they said, okay, tell us why you're here. And we knew that we had that assignment. So I had everything written out and she came up to me, Glenn, she snatched that paper out of my hand and she said, just talk. And I remember I just wanted to throw up, <laughs> just wanted to throw up because I'm like the paper <laughs> at that time was security because I didn't have to look at people. I didn't have to, to, to connect with them. So that subconscious mind, I still had things in my childhood that I needed to heal. So then when I was in this program, I realized she paired me with a licensed mental health counselor, Valerie Wilson, who's still a good friend of mine today. And I was like, well, who goes to therapy? You just go to the, you just go to God, right? That was the mentality that I had. So, but I was, again, it's a God moment. So she paired me with someone who had a doctorate degree and then someone who was a licensed mental health counselor at the University of Central Florida. She's still there to this day, actually. And what my assignment was, because I was part of the group where we had similar goals, mine was to communicate and learn how to publicly speak. So they assigned us to go around the University of Central Florida to, um, they call them, I don't know, they, they call them the USPS workers, but these were to be the, the secretaries. These would be the, the people who are not in upper management. I would consider them more middle management. And we would talk about how do you bloom where you're planted? How do you write your personal mission statement? And in that, I discovered that this was what I was made to do because I enjoy that after we would do this assignment, again, I'm in this MBA program and we would do these workshops. And then afterwards, people would want to come and talk to me. And it was like, well, they want to talk to me? Why? <laughs> 
So I had went to my mentor at the time, who was also my my boss, Dr. Uh, Michael Dykin. I worked at the University of Central Florida Student Health Services. I was working my way through college because no one funded me. I was a hustler. I worked my way. So as I was working my way through college, I was working as his executive secretary. And again, when we have things that we don't heal in our childhood, there's there's good there's good things that are birthed from that. And me not having an emotionally available father who was an alcoholic, I would find healthy surrogates. So Dr. Dykin was a healthy surrogate father-like figure to me. So I thought a lot about his opinion. So I remember knocking on his door and I said, you know, Dr. Dykin, I want to talk to you. And he said, oh, sure. So I come in and I remember breathing and just like so anxious. And I said to him, I said, Dr. Dykin, I think I'm going to drop out of the MBA program and I'm going to sign up for a counseling psychology program. <laughs> and I said it so quickly. And I took a breath and he said, Janie, I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. And that is why I changed my degree. <laughs> so, and that's why the right, Lynn, it's so important when we allow people to speak into our life that they're healthy, they really want what's best for us because that could have been a, a, a shifting moment for me, right? So I then changed my my degree program. I dropped out of the MBA program. I was like, bye to you math, bye to you accounting. And I decided to, as I was working full time to pursue my education in the evening, because I wanted to be a life changer. I wanted to help people change those moments and really truly walk in the conscious state because I am a big believer that we are our worst enemies. We are the ones that are stopping us from really being, having the healthy relationships, having the, the life that we want. And, many, and there's other, obviously other parts of that. Some people just don't know how, once you kind of get to that place of, okay, now I'm awake, the alarm clock has gone off and I know that I'm no longer sleeping. Now, what do I do with it? And which is also a scary thought, Glenn. Yes, indeed, a scary thought, indeed. And Dr. Janie, you unpacked so much. Uh, right, right, right there. You know, it's funny. I shared the, uh, you know, my, my, my teeth were rough <laughs> all the way into my, into my late twenties. And I had created this little subconscious thing where I just covered them up all the time, all the time, all the time. And, uh, ultimately I ended up getting my teeth fixed and gosh, what a, what a, what a game changer it was for me. But those moments in time that you speak of, right, those MITs, that's what I call them, MITs, moments in time uh, where things can, you know, your, 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 your life path literally splits, right? You're headed down one path and then there's two different directions you can go or maybe 10 different directions. And, and those moments in time, you meet the right person or somebody says the right thing and it takes you on that complete you know the different trajectory i always have a tough time with that word i think that it's uh, a fascinating it's really fascinating to look back on that dr jenny i'm curious you shared some stories you've been through some things that many of us uh, have never been through and uh, most of us hopefully never will go through you know the the thought of your of your sister, and and the terribleness of that it hurts it it pains my heart right, and then the other uh, loss of life when it came to your grandmother and so I'm curious, Dr. Jane, because a lot of times experiencing trauma like that can take us down a dark path, but yet for you it seems. You've kind of got this bulldog spirit, right? This fighting spirit. 
and you've been able to now use that as fuel on a, on a, on a bright path, on a light path. And so my curiosity is if someone is maybe in this room and they've had those, they've had something traumatic, really traumatic that's uh, uh, impacted them in their life and it's taken them the wrong way, right? It's just heavy. It's deep on them. Maybe they've made some poor decisions. They're not happy with where they are in life. It's, it's, it's led them to the dark side versus to the light. How, what would you share from your experience and your wisdom? How can they start to break out of that and maybe move towards making it a positive and one of those positive MITs versus a negative MIT? It's a great question, Glenn, because that is the fork in the road. And as you mentioned earlier, the statistic of the 95%, the first part of that is the 90% that's in denial. So even though we may know that we've gone through some things and we may have some struggles, most people are in denial that they even have a problem or they're in, a de they're in denial that these things are even affecting me. They're in denial that I may even drink too much. They're in denial that, you know what, it's okay if I'm just using people for my own self-gratification because there's a certain level in that subconscious mind that they can justify is what I meant, mentioned earlier. So when we look at people that can truly change because every single one of us in this room has gone through something and we have a story. It's not about the suffer. It's not about the comparison suffering because that's what people will do all the time, Glenn. And I'm sure you hear it just as much as I do. People say, well, I didn't go as I didn't have the, the childhood that Glenn had, or I didn't have the childhood that Dr. Janie had. So I'm okay. Right. They start comparing suffering with other people and then will cause whatever they've gone through to stay in this place of denial. So the first thing is we have to get curious. And yes, I may not have the big traumas where my sister was murdered or I found my grandmother uh, passed away or I didn't have these, these experiences. But on the other side of that, each and every one of us has what we call the little T's, the little traumas. And when we think even about the word trauma, people will think, well, it doesn't apply to me. It does. It's just a matter of it being on a spectrum. If we look at the very, very basic definition of trauma, it's anything that's distressing or, or, or a disturbing experience. Right? So I remember years ago, I had, I was driving in my, my car. I'm, I, I'm originally from New York, but I live in the Orlando, Florida area. And it was raining and I started skidding on the road and our my friends that were in the car was like whatever you do don't step on the brake right <laughs> so i'm just trying to rough my way through the the car. hey listeners if you enjoy listening to breakfast with champions we can bet you care about your daily routine do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine it's the perfect morning glenn has written a free ebook called the morning five five simple steps to an extraordinary morning if you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Are losing control, but I thought, okay, we all laughed and, and we, we kept moving on with our, with our day and our life. But I remember this next time I went to that particular exit, oh, my heart started beating quickly. I started feeling anxious that it was trauma. It was a disturbing experience for me that my body now remembered because the body keeps the score. But I, for a long time, would press it down. Oh, you can't be a punk, Janie. Come on, right? So we talk ourselves off the ledge. 
And we, when we do that, that's also denial. So the very first step that we have to do is to get curious. And it doesn't mean we want to create something that's not there, but we want to get curious to get what I like to say, we get PhDs and other certificates and other stuff at other people's university. We got to go to the university of me. And we have to be able to say, you know what, let me just step back and really understand myself because I'm in the relationship space. And many times when people get into a relationship and they want, they want you, they want their, their, their boyfriend, they want their girlfriend. I, I, I want you just to understand me. You don't get me. Well, many times you don't even get yourself. <laughs> so we have to get into a place where we understand our reactions. We understand how we respond to things. And then when we do that, we get the alarm clock goes off. We get out of that subconscious state. I'm willing to be curious. I'm willing to go to the school of me. And now I understand how the moments that every time I would bring my report cone home, it was not necessarily a big trauma, like finding my sister or finding someone else that may have no, that's no longer here, but I would bring my, my report card home. And every time I would show it to my dad, that instead of looking at all the A's, he focused on the B and he did that over and over again. That could be very disturbing for the 12 year old boy that just wanted dad's approval. Right. And then there's a core wound. We all have, we all have core wounds and the big five core wounds is rejection, betrayal, abandonment, shame and abuse. Right. So in that moment, that little boy can feel like, wow, it's never good enough for daddy, but he doesn't necessarily have the verbiage and the words to feel that some, some of them do. I know my son would, <laughs> if not, he just gets captured. And then later on, he can replay that. He learns to perform and audition and he becomes a really good hustler in the workplace. He learns to show women the novelty of relationships, but then yet he still feels empty inside. But no one would necessarily classify that as trauma, right? So when we're looking at these types of things to get out of these, to get out of our own way, we have to not be afraid to look back and say, you know, it's like a train passing by. Each and every one of us can get on a train right now, metaphorically. Glenn can get on the train of Glenn's life and he can look out the window and he can see the scenes of his life and not necessarily have any deep feeling about it. And we want to get to that place so that you can process it and see it and continue to move forward. We don't ever want to stay stuck in our past, but we can watch. And I know many of the movie lovers in this room can watch a movie. They can tell you the character names. They can tell you the scenes. They can even recite the scenes, but they can't do that with their own life. So we have to get out of that place of denial and we break free of denial. Then we can start really being able to heal and deal with all the stuff that's been suppressed, that's been locked into the closet in our head that has cobwebs on it that we don't even think about anymore because we don't think it affects us. But if I look at how you relate with people and I look at how you move in the world, you know, there's this, uh, I'm, I've been trained in the Gottman method. So it's John Gottman. And one of the ways that he's trained us, Glenn, is that when people from couples counseling, they could come in, we can look within the first 10 or 15 minutes of their interaction and we can tell if they're going to make it or not. Right. And there's a high accuracy there. But the, to kind of circle back around to highlight this is we have to get in denial. And how do you get out of denial if you don't even know you're in denial? Now, that's the question, Glenn. <laughs> that is the question. That's exactly right. Right. Denial if you've denied the fact that you might be in denial. No, I love that. And I love how you shared the smaller things that we might not consider trauma and the way that our body and our mind um, stores experiences, right? Uh, that, that, that small 
experience that you had sliding in the rain later creates an anxiety or there's a connection um, to that. So let me ask you this, Dr. Janie, knowing that, there's a lot of people in this room that are performance-oriented, right? They're performance-oriented. They want to max out their full potential. They're always reaching for the stars. They have desires and dreams and visions of more. On something like that, knowing, knowing that our subconscious mind and that our body is going to store these experiences and that that can create, potentially create, uh, a negative behavior later in life, right, or something that doesn't serve us. Is there a way to take let's like let's like let's use that example of the sliding in the rain, and then ultimately the next time you approach that ramp having the, that anxiety? Is there like a uh, uh, is there a quick shift or a way that we can actually turn that into a, like a superhuman power? You know what I mean, like to to where it becomes a positive, like we're like, okay, our body's going to store this experience. We know that it's stored. Let's turn this into something positive that fuels us versus something negative that creates anxiety, anguish, or any of those things. Absolutely. So if we use that example, the first thing is, is I had to recognize, wow, I'm feeling anxious. Wow. You know, I didn't really think that what happened at that time affected me because of all the distractions that was also going on around me, right? It's a very basic example. So then the way that I get through that, obviously it's years now, is I approach that ramp by knowing I'm in control, I'm okay, and I face it head on with support systems intact, with my thought life intact, all these other things. And then when you talk about repetition, Every time I've now faced that ramp, it's lost its power over me. So now I could probably, <laughs> I wouldn't do this. Yeah. I can speed around that ramp and I'm all good now because I know I'm in control. But it takes, it's, oh, it's not, it's over time. It's not going to be a one time I'm going to face it and I'm going to be over it. I also see this denial for most people, but it's going to be doing the, what I know to do is healthy over and over and over again. And another good example, especially when we have high performers, we have things that we want to achieve. And I believe I've probably heard you ask this plenty of times or other people in their own life is if we dig deep and we understand why we want those things. Sometimes it's, it, it is directly tied to what we did not get in our childhood. For example, if I talk about being a young girl, had rotten teeth, I was a typical middle child, <laughs> a typical middle child of eight, and I'm sure you do a phenomenal job with your middle children, Glenn, but the middle children, they're either gonna be, they're gonna be hyper rebellious because they want that attention or they're going to be performers. So I was a performer. I tried to do good in school. I played soccer. I did all the things because I just knew, I didn't, I didn't say this from a conscious standpoint, but looking back, clearly my behavior was demonstrating that. I just knew that if I was just the good girl, my parents would, wow, Janie, we're so proud of you, right? I had this fantasy of my parents loving me and seeing me and accepting me because I was such a good girl. But what instead, my older sister, who was right over me, who was the rebellious one constantly getting in trouble, got the most attention. <laughs> so all the parents in the room remember that. But it's directly so now you see who I am today. I do public speaking. I own multiple businesses. I've done a lot of different things where I'm actually out front and center. 
And if you look back, there was a childhood need that was not met. I did not feel seen. I felt unseen. So the positive, when you talk about turning a not negative to a positive, there was a time where I didn't necessarily understand why it was driven to do the things that I was driven to do. But this is another clue for people. And you don't have to go to therapy. Not everyone has to go to therapy. But if you, if you think about this, it's also important to figure out what unmet needs you had in your childhood. What do you fantasize about? Right. So I used to, Glenn, <laughs> I used to fantasize about being a rock star, you know, just being on you the stage. Are a rock and star. I can, I cannot sing. <laughs> I can dance a little bit, but I cannot sing. But I would have this fantasy of always like, if there was someone, uh, remember I met Billy Joel in, in college, but if there was someone on the stage, I would then imagine myself being that person. And that fantasy was tied to wanting to be seen. Right. Because my childhood, we all have birthrights, the right to be heard, the right to be seen, the right to be loved, all these things that as we as parents, it's our responsibility to give it to our children appropriately. We don't want to overindulge them because then we can create other uh, other entitlement issues on the other side of it. But when you when I look back at the clues, there's a reason now that the girl who felt invisible, who had rotten teeth, has now spoken globally who's on a faculty of a major trauma organization, who runs her own business, who's a public speaker, who just did her TEDx talk and has several to come, right? So I look at all those things. We can turn our pain truly into purpose. And it's even okay if sometimes you don't get it, because I didn't get it when I first started having the, you know, the first time I was on Fox, and I think I shared this actually in Champion Circle, but the first time when I was, in, was invited to come on TV to be a relationship expert, I was an intern, Glenn. I was an intern. <laughs> I had just graduated. But when I look back, that was also a God clue of what was to come because I, the opportunity came and I said yes, even though I didn't feel like I was fully prepared. But I'm like, at the time, what they were asking me to talk about, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to talk from my life experiences because I felt the imposter syndrome that I'm just an intern. I don't even know what I'm doing yet. <laughs> But when you look back, that's how you turn pain into purpose. And that's how we can turn some of these negative experiences into be powerful, powerful walks in our journey that only God has for us. And when we look back, those dots, most people can connect those dots. I love it, Dr. Janie. And now I'm going to flip it to the other side real quick, because this is not just happening in us. This is happening in the people that we love, the people that we have relationships with, the people that we work with right? It's happening in all of these people. And so with, we know if we can see that someone is, like you said, you can identify things really quick, right? When we can see like, what, what can we do to help others bring awareness or can we do anything? Do we, do we just need to get out of the way? Can we, can we do like, like what's the best way to handle it? You know, for example, Willow, let's just go with my, my, my daughter. I'll just use myself you know she's the rebellious one she's a middle child of sorts and uh definitely a rebellious one right those are type, those are her, her behaviors so i'll just use her as an example but you can take it you know on an adult level in a marriage in a business relationship other people are storing these things and reacting on a subconscious level too and they're not aware of it right maybe they're in denial or just they're just not mature enough to to know so how can we help others or can we is what I'd like to know. It's a great question, Glenn. And I'm going to use relationships and marriage since that's my, my wheelhouse because right. I see it all the time because 
if I just bring in my husband, Bob, and Dr. Janie, if he gets the light bulb and he gets it and he now knows everything that I've been complaining about through all the years, it's going to make my life better. It's going to make the kid's life better. And I am just all around going to be happy. Right, <laughs> so, <exactly. they're>, <laughs> <laughs> so coming in with the fantasies, so, but there are a couple things that you can do if you can see someone's dysfunction or how they can be better as a person, but this is not gonna be what people expect. The first thing from a relationship standpoint is to move out of their way and get off their back. <laughs> but what happens is people put more pressure on the other person. I need you to do this. Why can't you respond this way? Why can't you be this way? Why can't you dot, dot, dot? We can fill in the blank, the complaints start. So the first thing, right, is to get off that person's back and get out of their way so you can truly, but this is also means that you have to have, I'm assuming, right, the person that I'm speaking to right now has done some level of their own work so that they are in a more of a conscious state than an unconscious state. Because there's, if we look at the two schools of bucket relationally, you're going to be paired, a model, a model day therapy says we are going to be attracted to someone who has the worst characteristics of one of our caretakers subconsciously. <laughs> so what happens is, so it's called imago day therapy. So from okay. a couple's perspective, the person that we are attracted to that we either see as our marital partner, our long-term partner, usually has the worst characteristic of one of our caregivers, our mother or our father, but we don't consciously know that yet until we get into the relationship long-term. And why does this always bug me about my husband? Why does this always bug me about my wife? So you get to this position and there's two buckets. You're either going to, you, meaning who I'm talking to, you are gonna now move to a place of consciousness and you're going to see it and you're gonna wanna grow and you're gonna wanna reach down at her hand and have her pulled up with you. But the challenge with that is if she's still sleepwalking, she's going to see you as the problem. <laughs> and then the toxic dynamic can start. And then what happens are two things. People stay together because it's the devil I know versus the devil I don't know. Or people outgrow each other. And that is where people don't want to make, from a relationship standpoint, people don't want to make tough decisions. So they'll bring him into Dr. Janie's office because as long as he can change, I don't have to change anything. I don't have to make tough decisions. I don't even have to deal with myself because the hardest thing, the best way that you can love someone is allow them to be themselves. In a, in, a, in a coupleship, you can have agreements that you operate from to make the family work, to make sure that your romantic relationship is cultivated. But once people start controlling and trying to change each other, that is potentially what we would consider the mold behind the wall that's gonna grow, it's gonna eventually come down. So the things that people can do, if, I, if, you, if you missed the point here, the things that people can do, let me highlight it, is get off their back, have boundaries, you can make requests, not demands, and focus your growth on who you are, how you respond, are you truly responding, or are you truly reacting? Because when people overreact, this is the clue, it's usually historical, it's usually something in the past, right? So uh, a trigger that I had, and I believe, we have continuously have a journey, but a trigger, if you catch me on the wrong day, Glenn, 15%, I can react. <laughs> and in that 15%, I will bite your head off if you come at me a certain way, right? And you know where I that wouldn't want to fight you. There's something about <laughs> Dr. Janie Lacey. I look at you, I'm like, I wouldn't want to fight Dr. Janie. Something tells me she's, she's, she's tough as I still got a New Yorker in me, right? <laughs> 
But when we look at that, the things that get us angry or the things that we really stand up for is I have a heart for injustice, right? So when I look back at just growing up in the systems and the community that I've grown up for, I've experienced a lot of people being bullied and having a lot of things occur. So sometimes when I feel two things, when, pe- when there's an injustice that occurs, or if you keep coming at me with criticism, criticism, and no solution, <laughs> you will feel the, lo- the fine line of a boundary uh, that will come. And it's hard for people to do that in a marital relationship because you still have to sleep with her at night. He's, she, she still has to sleep with him at night. But you, when you have boundaries and you have requests and you allow people to be who they are, sometimes it's more about you than it even it, it even is about them. People think to themselves, did I marry the wrong person? How am I going to make this work? And then you start hiding, lying, and denying. And then that's where it becomes your responsibility because you should still be, if you truly are in a place of consciousness and healthiness, you should still be who you are even if your partner's not growing. But what people don't want to do is have to make hard decisions. So whether it's in a business relationship, and I've had a toxic business relationship where I had to make some some hard decisions and it resulted in that friendship no longer being. But this is the, the key there to give you my own personal lesson is that I saw the writing on the wall, but Glenn, I was afraid of the conflict. <laughs> I was afraid of the conflict. And so I was in denial that uh, this person would, would, be, um, would be using me, I guess would be the word. And then when I finally confronted her, it resulted in what we would call gaslighting. It was turned back around on me. So I had to make a decision that I could no longer do business with that person because I couldn't trust them. So when we confront the things, we sometimes have to make hard decisions. And many people don't want to make hard decisions because if I bring, if I'm married to you, Glenn, and if I bring you into marital therapy and uh, Dr. Ramon <clears throat> fix you, and uh, he fixed you, then I, I'm good. I don't have nothing to worry about. But if I still have to show up home day after day and you still have the problem, then now it's my problem and I have to do something about it. And many people don't want to do something about it. Oh, so good. Dr. Jamie, so, so, so good. This is the juicy, juicy stuff right here. That's what I'm talking about. I absolutely love it. Dr. Janie, our time is flying um, as it normally does when you and I have conversations. Uh, the time is, is, is moving rather quickly, but I want to get into where we are right now, today, in the world. Uh, there are a lot of things going on around us that uh, many people would consider traumatic, right? Um, for lack of a bigger word, things with the pandemic, things with war, things in um, politics and, and all around, uh, there's just a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff going on um, right now that can possibly uh, and most likely is seeping in to our subconscious, right, and and creating things that may or may not serve us down the road. So how do we in today's day and age where there's stuff flying at us from every angle, every corner? constantly a constant barrage how do we protect ourselves from creating any of these uh, potentially negative or hazardly uh, thoughts and behaviors in the future absolutely and this is a, a question that applies to all of us each and every day and i think about it in terms of the first half marathon 
that I ran, Glenn, before it was time for that gun to go off and we started running across the start line, I prepared months <laughs> daily and weeks way before that gun went off. So each and every day to be proactive, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go two ways. Proactive is that we have to continue to deal with our mental health and our psychological. So when we think about mental health, first let me say mental health and mental illness are two different things. Every single one of us has mental health. That's our psychological and our basic emotional well-being, right? And mental illness is more of, of conditions that occur that will now affect those, our moods and thinking and behaviors and all those other things. So each and every day we feed ourselves the good stuff. So before I'm getting ready to, to do that marathon, I was not eating junk. I was uh, doing all the things. I was sleeping. I was doing all the things to prepare me for the day when I was going to need to run across that start line. And I believe proactively each and every day, which is why I like the morning five and so many other things that we do in Breakfast with Champions, is we give ourselves the good stuff each and every day. We feed ourselves emotionally. We take care of ourselves, self-care. So when the day comes and the things that are going to provoke anxiety, that are going to provoke a fear, we have a bandwidth. We, it's called a window of tolerance. And when people do not have a window of tolerance because we're sleepwalking and we're just reacting to life, then we're going to have higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of depression, higher rates of addiction. Addiction is just doing things that are non-relationally relief. And we do these things to numb out the bad stuff, which will also keep out the good stuff. So we want to be proactive and take care of ourselves each and every day and not take care of ourselves and just when things happen. That's the first thing. Second thing, with everything that's happening in the world, there's something called vicarious trauma. That means that we don't necessarily have to have be in Ukraine right now with all the things that are happening. But if I'm consuming the news every moment and I'm following all the the dings on my phone to get all the alerts and I'm constantly feeding myself this information, then my anxiety level is going to go up. And then when I pick up my son from school today, I may not have the bandwidth to deal with any of his stuff and I may snap at him, right? So you connect those dots and that's how it can affect us. We have higher rates of depression, higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of addiction. If we're not eating in moderation, and I'm talking about the things that can cause us to feel higher um, anxiety. And the, the way that we can deal with that, if we want to stay in tune with the news, I want to say, I remember I did a segment with our, our local Fox when it was going coming around the election. The way that we can turn that energy is getting involved, right? So, you know, you can get involved, send um, monies to the, to the reputable organizations of Ukraine and all the things around the world, get that energy and do something with it. But if it sits in your body, the ones who are closest to you are going to be the ones that see that you're that you're preoccupied, they have to call your name twice to even hear for you to even realize that your son is calling you, right? So a lot of those things that are out of our control, we give them more control over our life, which then makes us feel out of control in the very place that we should be in control. So feed ourselves good things, be prepared for the day, metaphorically, when uh, you're going to need it. As long as we're breathing and alive, Within this year, something is going to be stressful for all of us. We're going to lose someone, something, we're going to get sick. Something is going to happen as long as we're breathing. So we might as well be proactive and get our armor on so we have a window of tolerance because that's how we impact other people. I can't help other people if I'm sick myself, Glenn. Right? Imagine going to a physician and you want him to help you lose weight and you look at him and he's overweight. I mean, come on, right? So those would be my quick tips. <laughs> Mic drop moment. I think that that was an incredible and powerful share, very practical, putting in the work ahead of time, making sure that we're prepared, building that solid foundation, 
and then turning that energy. I love that. If you if you want to get it, get in there and get the news and consume the content, turn that energy into something positive. Release it in a positive way. Get involved. Get active. I love that you shared that, uh, Dr. Janie. I do get a little worried. I do get a little concerned uh, for my friends and, and family members when they are deep into those spaces, right? And they're and those spaces are so they're so attractive, right? Like we see it right here on on the app, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's there's room after room after room after room in there filled filled with people, right? That are just absorbing that content and it it scares me i i worry for them uh because like you said then next thing you know you're lashing out on your kids or you're lashing out on your spouse or you deal with depression anxiety so on and so forth so prayers for everybody during this particular season that you take the time to do the work and can turn that energy into something positive i think that was really powerful dr Jamie. All right, Dr. Janey, I'm going to have to, not have to, we get to, uh, we're going to actually switch over to another room and then we're going to hand it over to Scott Simons and Damien. Before we do, though, uh, I would love for people to be able to connect with Dr. Janey Lacey. I would love for people to be able to support Dr. Janey Lacey. What is it that you're working on right now that we can help lift you up on? Or what's the best way to connect with you and support and turn all of our positive energy from this morning towards you? Absolutely. I appreciate that, Glenn. You know, right now, my newest project is I'm expanding my Woman Redeemed program. So I have a monthly membership, a founder's rate of just $35 a month. And we do a monthly webinar with the workbook. We have a book of the month as well. And we get together on Zoom once a month, along with some other goodies. So I'm a big believer, just as we do here at Breakfast with Champions, in community of like-minded people. So it's a community, mostly of women, that have a heart to continue to heal, especially around toxic relationships, so that we can be beast at our business and our relationships and just in life. Because wherever we leave, I'm a big believer, wherever Ever we leave a space, we want to leave it better than it was before we came. So Women Redeemed, it's on my link tree and my Instagram. So love um, for love for any women that resonate with that space that you don't have to walk alone. Uh, you can walk with a community of uh, badass women who really want to continue to heal and to uh, thrive in all areas of life. Woman Redeemed. Well, a badass woman I, is how I would define you for sure. No doubt about it. What were you saying, Dora Maria? I just want people to click on that link on top and really listen to that video and like it and amplify it. I think even doing that, you're doing a service to the people around you and your network. So really amplify that YouTube video on top. Beautiful. I love that. So that's Dr. Janie's video, her TED Talk. You can check that out and then you can also become a a member of Dr. Jamie's community by just clicking on her face, going to her Instagram, and she's got the links from there. Dr. Janie Lacey, thank you so much for all you do for Breakfast of Champions, for me and my life, and for what you did for us here in this room this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for the badass woman, Dr. Janie Lacey. Ooh, Ooh, yes, man. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. I love the pew, 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 pew. Dr. Jenny, you're awesome. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.